Um, all right, chapter six. It's a, it's a wild one. Um, we <laughs> in both of our other groups, we were barely able to to cover everything in, that we wanted to to talk about there. So, um, let's start off with the Davidic covenant. What is it? Why do we have it? Why don't we talk about it more? What have you learned and gained from uh, specifically the the Davidic covenant that it talks about here in this chapter? What's your insights? Uh, things that you've learned. So is, I just had a, this chapter was really hard for me. I told my husband, this was like so fast and so deep <laughs> that it just was like, I felt like I was taking a drink out of fire hydrant. But if, <laughs> do I understand correctly that the Davidic covenant is that vassal king relationship? Is that what it is? Uh, yes. And, and what is its purpose? It has one specific purpose and it has tangential blessings as well but one specific purpose is, is to provide is that, physical protection okay so it's physical protection i was gonna say to um be that uh savior for those below you but it's mm -hmm. physical protection uh-huh yeah it's not a protection of, of sins like you're not uh being the savior as in taking on yourself their sins like the the savior in gethsemane for example but you are being an intermediary and an intercessory for their physical protection when they don't deserve it yeah i this whole thing of proxy saver savior is so new to me i'm still trying to grasp it mm-hmm yeah, me too. But having gone through group A, group B, and my in-person group just barely, and now it's like, oh, I think I, I think I finally got it. <laughs> I just have to say, I couldn't help but think. I don't know. I just, as as I was following along and reading it, do we play that? We play that role for our family. Like we're not going to play that for the like Moses did or or David, like, but do we do that for our family? Is that what it is? Very interesting question. Yeah, I want to dive into all of those. I I have my own opinions on, on each of those different categories, but um, but yeah, I, I think for sure the family, absolutely. Cameron, I have a comment. Yeah. Um, this, all of a sudden, it, it just right now, when you talked about the Davidic covenant, it just made me remember the story of Abigail, the um, wife of the sheep herder who had all those sheep and David when he was still running and hiding from Saul. And so he and his men coming in to, to help protect these sheep for this um, huge sheep rancher. And then when it came time for harvest, this rancher said, yeah, no way, I'm not paying you. I'm not doing this. And his wife, Abigail, was so, she was distraught because she knew the right thing to do. And so she had her women prepare a lamb and prepare a feast and take it out to David. And so in that way, she was kind of a savior for her husband because otherwise David and his army of men could have come and taken over their feast and done, you know, fought against them and it would have been his right, but she stepped in for her husband. 
So interesting. Yes, thank you so much. Because I, I mean, I'm trying to pull out all of these um, Davidic covenant keepers in, in scriptures and stuff. Abigail didn't even cross my mind, but that is a perfect example right there. Yeah. Thanks. I love it. Um, so let's let's talk about some of the uh, examples that we have here in this chapter. Uh, it talked about Moses and it talked about King Hezekiah. So uh, first, let's let's do Moses. Um, the the story when he lifts his hands in the air and as long as Aaron and well he was doing it by himself at first and then Aaron and and her his his counselors come in and hold him up. As long as his hands are up, that means that that they are prevailing in in their battle with the Amalekites, right? So I had never ever put this with the Davidic covenant because I didn't know what the Davidic covenant was, but um, you know, it's a cool story, but I, you know, why, when he's raising his hands, what kind of power does that bring down? Who knows kind of thing. But now it all makes so much sense because it talks about the, the uplifted arms um, to the square. We could say that he is intercessing um, with the father for people who don't necessarily merit some of the blessings that are, are being uh, poured out there. So it, I, I think it's very interesting when we have these, these roles of, of Davidic servants doing Davidic covenant things and why it's called the Davidic covenant, etc. when David was one that, that fell from glory, right? So flash forward to King Hezekiah. Um, he is, is taught by Isaiah, who is now risen to the uh, seraphim level, teaches Hezekiah how to uh, come up from the Zion Jerusalem level, make the Davidic covenant, and then intercede for his people. Um, I found that another interesting example. If we start comparing and contrasting these different ones, uh, we start to see some, some different patterns. Um, but you know, what other prophets or uh, stories, examples, do you see of the Davidic covenant, offering protection, interceding, maybe even praying to God specifically for a group of people that don't deserve it. Where else do we we see clear-cut stories of that? What comes to mind? Well, with, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I would say just start right at the beginning of the Book of Mormon. There's Lehi, you know, and and he prayed and did all kinds of things to try and keep his family safe. And um, not all of them really deserved that either. You know, so I don't know. That was the first one I thought of. Yeah. And Abraham, when he was interceding to try to save Sodom and Gomorrah, because they, you know, they weren't doing things that were right either. But mm -hmm. he tries to intercede with the Lord to help save them. Yeah. They couldn't find enough. <laughs> yeah. The parable so, came to my mind was the parable of the laborers where some work all day and some work half a day and some work for an hour and they all get paid the same. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Even in parables, we, we see uh, examples of the Javadic covenant. Um, so here's one question. Do the recipients or the uh, constituents, whatever you want to say, the, 
um, people that the Davidic servant is over always realize who their leader is or uh, who is interceding on their behalf. Uh, like the Abraham story, Sodom and Gomorrah probably didn't know anything that Abraham was doing that night or, um, you know, a lot might have, but um, uh, that one went hugely unnoticed by the people that were undeserving and then they get destroyed by it. Um, uh, with with King Hezekiah, uh, the uh, Jerusalemites are obviously not keeping the, the terms of the covenant. They didn't know who their... Uh, that Hezekiah was interceding on the, on their behalf. They just knew that they won the battle kind of thing. Um, there are some examples where uh, the people, if they are righteous, can know, uh, especially after the fact, they, they testify of the, the miraculous deliverance that, that happened on their behalf. Anyway, I found that very interesting, um, how that, that plays out. Um, I was thinking of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. um, with his intercessory prayer and then even on the cross what he says forgive them for they know not what they do and all we, and he is you know everything points towards Christ but boy this really rang a bell for me mm -hmm. yeah so what are some of the other things that we learn from this chapter about people on the sun servant level? So we know that they enter into the Davidic covenants and, and keep them on behalf of others, right? That um, on the Zion Jerusalem level, we are endowed with power. We're promised we will become kings and queens, but we don't actually realize that until we're on the sun servant level. And so um, we actually rise up get a kingdom, a stewardship over people, and, and we can intercede on their behalf through the Davidic covenant. Um, other things that we learn are um, that they see God face to face, so their, their calling and election is made sure um, uh, to, to some degree or another. I mean, uh, we look at the, the pattern of Abraham, there's many times that he's seen God, uh, sometimes on the earth, sometimes up in heaven with a cosmic vision, and we'll start seeing how that plays out versus uh, the son servant category versus the, the seraphim category. But um, what are some of the other things that we learn in this chapter about people on the sun servant level? Um, so I have mentioned a few of those things. What other things are, are brought out here? Well, that we know that they are married. <laughs> mm -hmm. They and they have a family. They have a posterity. So that that's probably when I started reading about that, you know, and the women, that's when I really started to understand. I was I was a little more like Alethea that I just felt a little um, overwhelmed with this chapter until I started, you know, reading more about the the marriage covenant and all the all of that and the women and that was a little bit more easier for me to understand anyway but yeah we know at least they were married and and had a family mm -hmm. yeah don't they have a promised land mm -hmm. yeah so as they're uh we enter into a um son servant relationship or a uh emperor vassal king we're, we're given a kingdom like a promised land kind of thing uh it may it 
it may be conditional, but we work into an unconditional status of it. Yes. So I just have a question about how do they enter into that Davidic covenant? Like we know how we do all our other covenants, right? Mm -hmm. How is that covenant made? Exactly. I don't know that we necessarily have all of the examples of it, um, but I believe that it's such a mystery. I mean, we just don't know about it because it needs to be taught by the Lord himself. When we're ready to come to him, he's ready to come to us and, and he makes a Davidic covenant. Uh, we see kind of the, the after effects or the... Uh, what happens after uh, the Davidic covenant is made, what happens uh, with those servants. But from the Zion Jerusalem level, we see that we have to pass three tests of loyalty, those three main ones, right? Um, and then we are, we have proven ourselves in all circumstances and, and ready to ascend. And then uh, God comes and, and makes a personal Davidic covenant with us. Seems like. That Davidic covenant is probably something that happens when you have that experience with the Lord. Is mm -hmm. that what you're saying? That's, okay. what, that's what I'm thinking, yes. Okay. Yeah, go for it, Mom. Yeah, it, it is the level where we see God. And, uh, and so he's like teaching us like face-to-face -face these different things. And I'm sure that's where that enders in. I'm pretty sure as sure as I can be <laughs> but that you know is where we learn that it's not till we reach that level where we really know but, but yeah whenever somebody gets there tell us about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah I think that that's you know obviously we have our endowment and it's in a group and we can see other people making covenants etc but uh, from there on up, it, it seems to be a fairly individual thing that um, we're under strict commandment not to disclose those parts of it, etc. But uh, the fact that we know that there is a Davidic covenant and we see some of the prophetic timing um, when prophets have entered into it and, and what they do after, you can definitely see an ascent, but the actual ritual or the rite uh, behind the Davidic covenant uh, I don't know if there is anything necessarily. That would be an excellent question if we were to have a book club with Avraham to, to ask him, <laughs> have you found any actual ritual or rite behind that? Maybe Nibley, uh, his works might be able to shed some light on that too. But you can't help but wonder if each of the prophets, even today, I mean, I'm sure they're all intercessory and praying in behalf of the people especially as we get close well even in the early days of the church when they faced so much persecution that they were interceding on their behalf and i'm sure even as we get closer to the second coming and all of the tribulations if the prophet is interceding for protection for us right mm -hmm. exactly you read my mind alethea all right so here's this is my own personal study and i do not expect this to be like uh uh, a thing for everyone. This is what the Lord was teaching me one day, but it could be wrong, but it's what I needed to hear right then kind of thing. So let me take you on that little quick journey. Um, so Sunday morning, I was like freaking out because I hadn't read 
this chapter fully for uh, group A and B. And so I was like, okay, I got to do this. But anyway, the Lord woke me up early Sunday morning and was like, okay, get it done. And um, as I was looking through it, I, I was reading the, the Moses and King Hezekiah, etc. And um, I, I was just asking, I was like, okay, so if it's a pattern and, and we see this and we know that the Davidic servant's going to come on the scene and stuff, do we, do we see Davidic covenant level things in our day-to-day? -day? I was just asking that question. Do we ever see our prophet raising his hand like those of antiquity to save us? And it was like, oh my gosh, this is President Nelson. Like, of course. If we, we backtrack to April 2020, what was the Hosanna shout about? What does Hosanna mean? What did Elder Gong say right before the Hosanna shout? He gave a talk about Hosanna and hallelujah, right? And Hosanna means save now. And I was like, oh, interesting. Okay. So I went back and, and read uh, President Nelson's um, material leading up to the April 2020 conference, what he was asking us to do, that special fast, etc. And then... Uh, his, all of his conference talks in that April 2020 conference, and what he talks about his purpose is and, and all of that. And, and then the actual Hosanna shout, and then what he says afterward, uh, because he says, uh, this marks a, a, a big change, we're going to start a new initiative, etc. the hear him initiative. Uh, anyway, it all plays in to the Davidic covenant, if you're comparing it to the past prophets, the 2020 Hosanna shout was literally him in the Davidic covenant interceding for his people. Uh, that, it's a very interesting journey and study. I encourage anyone to, to go down that road if, if you feel so inclined, but that's where, where the Lord was leading me. I, you know, I, I'm not professing to put that out there, you know, quote Cameron Briggs on this, <laughs> but I, I, to me, President Nelson, for sure, knows the, the terms of the Davidic covenant and is actively interceding on, on our behalf. That's, that's my personal opinion. I, I think it's very much alive and well with our leaders today, which is huge because I'm just barely learning about what the Davidic covenant even is and, and how it works, etc. And so uh, to Alethea's question, it's like, Okay, so what is the Davidic covenant? Who can enter into it? Is it for our families? Is that what we do? You know, I've had that same question all, all week long. I've just been thinking about it. And um, as we are entering into to higher covenants, if we get our calling election made sure, um, things uh, of that nature, um, of that level, I should say, then we actually do become kings and queens to the Gentiles, and and we get a, a kingdom, we get uh, a stewardship, uh, if you will, and and can then start practicing intercession on behalf of, of those people, whether it's our own family, whether it's our communities. I don't know. I, I don't have the answers for it, but it's exciting, to say the least. I don't know. <laughs> um. So, uh, lots of chats. Sorry, I haven't kept up on chats because I've been hijacking this this session sorry let me let me catch up on chats and then we'll we'll go around for, for any questions um so neil says a few years ago i read a great series about king hezekiah i recommend the first three books by lynn and austin and published by bethany house 
Number one is gods and kings. Second is song of redemption. Third is the strength of his hand. They were so good and sent me back to the scriptures to see how closely the author stayed to the story. Oh, so that was Cindy saying that. Sorry, <laughs> I was quoting you. <laughs> but yes, I'm going to have to look those up. I've never heard of those before. Those are amazing. Um, and then Sarah says, I do believe it is happening now in people's lives more now than ever. I have a friend that is going through it. It all started by going to him and then listening. And then uh, thank you and just wrote them down. Gotcha. So yeah, I, I'm definitely going to have to look into to, um, those books there by, by Lynn Austin. Um, I want Sarah to, I didn't I quite yeah. understand. Like what, what are you talking about, Sarah? Going through what? Making the Davidic covenant or... <laughs> Uh -huh. I was going to well, ask the thing. Yeah. Maybe she. Sorry, I'm I'm here. I had to figure out how to get over <laughs> on this page again. Um. No. Yeah. Yeah. I just from what I read, this this chapter was my absolute favorite. I it was just soaking it up. Um. But when I got to the part where it it talks about receiving that divinity confident, um. I do. I have, I have a friend who, um, last year I, I introduced her to some, th some things and I mean, she is flying a hundred miles a minute is just incredible. And the things that she, um, does are, was the first thing she did was she desired, she sought him out and she believed that these things were, she was capable of receiving things. And it, I don't even think she knows, uh, cause she hasn't read this book. I don't even think she knows that she's experiencing it, but just from little bits and pieces that she's told me were pretty, um, she, she, you know, and, and maybe I shouldn't even be bringing it up, but I just wanted you all to know that it is happening and I'm working towards it. And so, and I think that, and I asked her and she just said, it all started with just, you know, seeking him, going to him, asking questions, listening, just a constant prayer in her heart. And I think that we do that. I know I constantly have a prayer, but her prayers are that, she understands that she, that she can, that she's making these covenants, that she's understanding what her purpose is. And like, she's letting go of Babylon and really, because she's, I mean, she still lives, she still works, she's still doing everything that we're asked to do, but she's just become more intimate with the Lord. And in the process, she has had an absolutely amazing experiences that, you know, who am I to, to doubt? I mean, they're almost unbelievable, but at the same time, like, I'm sure that's how people felt when Joseph Smith was like, Hey, you know, I just saw Jesus Christ and God, you know, and, and I, and, and these are things that she's experiencing on her own, not, not for anyone else. Mm -hmm. So anyways, so I, I, I just wanted to, I guess, testify that it's happening and that we are, can be changed for, you know, that he's coming and that we're, we need, we have a purpose mm -hmm. amongst that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, thank you. Yeah, interesting. So, um, thank you for sharing that, Sarah. You're welcome. <laughs> Let's see, I, I love what it says on, on page 193 with uh, this whole Davidic covenant that that pull quote there. It says, The level of intercession determines the degree of deliverance. And so, do we see that in, in some of these? Um, uh, prophetic, uh, not, not always prophetic, but, um, any of these examples in, in 
uh, of the prophets, like Abraham with Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, he pled hard for Sodom and Gomorrah, yet it was destroyed. So how does that um, come to pass? The level of intercession determines the degree of deliverance. Oh, sorry, I didn't see your hand up, Mom. Go ahead. You muted yourself. You were already unmuted. Okay, can you hear me? Okay, gosh. Someday I'll get that down. <laughs> okay, so anyway, I was just, it wasn't along what you were saying, but I was just thinking back to President Nelson and him in the interceding on our behalf there, but also with President Nelson from, from the time that he was put in in 2018 as our uh, uh, prophet president he's been trying to teach that this and for us to uh, it's, I mean like it's kind of like a military thing you know how he's with the, the priesthood and how he did that at the priesthood session in 2018 it's kind of I think he's trying to teach the men how to do this for their own families and and for others as well. But I mean, I think that's what that was about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always go back to the quote, in a coming day, only those men who have diligently sought to be taught by the Lord himself will be able to bless, guide, protect, strengthen, and heal others. That's like the Davidic covenant in a nutshell. I, I, I think that he's teaching us that uh, on a fairly regular basis and, and not mincing any words about it. <laughs> he knows divine law. He studies law like crazy. And, and we've seen that throughout his, his different discourses and, and talks and, and things. Uh, he's so in tune with heaven and he studied the laws and knows what the blessings are that, that we need in our day. I, I have a huge testimony of that, especially after learning about these levels of, of the ladder, et cetera, and um, what the Levitic covenant is. Okay, so just two things, Cameron, will you write those down in the chat? And then to answer your question, like why wasn't Sodom and Gomorrah saved? Uh, if when you flip over to page 194 at the bottom of that first full paragraph, it says, um, in effect, deliverance and salvation are the combined result of persons on higher and lower levels acting in concert within the terms of God's covenants. So is it because he was doing it all by himself, not with higher and lower servants? Is that, is that the answer? Why Sodom and Gomorrah? Were, I mean, there was nobody in Sodom and Gomorrah. I guess Lot was there, but that was it. There weren't any other people working i don't know mm -hmm. yeah it's a good question it's one i've been asking myself all week i don't know <laughs> cameron do you have that clip from conference about the calling the priesthood up uh, i can get it real quick yeah just a second If everybody's ready to see me ball again. I just get so moved by this every single time. <laughs> His work 
such as this with Wilbur Leonora Cox occur every week. Hopefully every day within this church. Dedicated service of the Lord Jesus. Okay, let me preface it by uh, page 195 on um, just underneath figure 84 there. So it says, to the Israelites, it was important to appoint righteous military leaders who would not compromise God's protection by living evil lives. Whenever David led them in battle, for example, the Israelites proved victorious, etc., etc. Through all major battles, we see that in the Book of Mormon. We see it everywhere. That uh, we see it even in um, uh, the the Revolutionary War with George Washington, etc. Um, uh, the righteousness of uh, proxy deliverer type people. Um, when when they have righteous military leaders who will not compromise um, God's protection by living evil lives. Uh, and then uh, put this in, in context of, of what President Nelson is, is saying here. Jesus Christ carry out his work with his power and authority. Brethren, there are doors we can open, priesthood blessings we can give, hearts we can heal, burdens we can lift, testimonies we can strengthen, lives we can save, and joy we can bring into the homes of the Latter-day Saints, all because we hold the priesthood of God. We are the men who have been called and prepared from the foundation of the world according to the foreknowledge of God on account of our exceeding faith to do this work. Tonight, I invite you literally to rise up with me in our great eternal brotherhood. When I name your priesthood office, please stand and remain standing. Deacons, please arise. Teachers, arise. Priests, Bishops, elders, high priests, patriarchs, 70s, apostles. Now, brethren, will you please remain standing and join with our chorus in singing all three verses of rise up, O men of God. While you sing, think of your duty as God's mighty army to help prepare the world for the second coming of the Lord. This is our charge. This is our privilege. I so testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. I don't even know. I, I've never been so moved in conference before. I mean, that was like the, the, the one that was like, holy cow. I was like shaking after that happened. I, I couldn't even contain it. And then every time I watch it, it's still the same feeling every time. Um, to, to call the ranks like that. Um, let's see, what conference is that? It is April 2018. 
2018. Let me copy the URL. Um, but I mean, President Nelson has just been uh, hitting us left and right with with doctrine and principles and learning experiences to, to grow in our statures. I mean, look at what he's done um, and, and taught uh, the women of the church since he's become prophet. I mean, it, it can't be any clearer uh, about uh, priesthood authority and and the the role of women and uh, pointing us to the, the doctrines taught in the family proclamation, uh, clearing up uh, many of those, those misconceptions and um, anyway, there's so much here, and I, I don't know, it, it's all good and great, and then I learn about this chapter, well, this whole book, but, but this chapter specifically, and then it all just starts becoming clear, like, it's like, oh, oh, he's been teaching us all along in the best language that, uh, that he can to a general audience, and uh, we can fully comprehend it with the, the right perspective. If we put on the right little uh, set of lenses, uh, we can we can see things clearly. Uh, looking at it from Isaiah's perspective, the, the son-servant level of proxy deliverers who take upon themselves the Davidic covenant on behalf of others who are in their stewardship is huge. So I guess my question now is, we know that the Davidic servant will come on the scene uh, in the end time to, to counteract the, the Antichrist, etc. But do we only rely on him or because we know that the Davidic servant will be the, the seraphim level, the next one up. But will there be sun servants in each community to help protect us from and deliver us from physical harm? Are, are we just relying on um, our our, our family's priesthood authority, or, or what does that look like heading into this this next rough stage that we're uh, going to be faced with? That when we head into the tribulations, the heavy part, what, what does the son slash servant category look like? Are are we part of it? How do we get there? What what is that? Yeah, just all that. <laughs> okay, Aaron, I think because I rem I don't know what conference it was from, but. They talked about Zion is within our own stakes and our own wards. So I think we have to be, the priesthood has to be the ministers to, you know, they need to rise up, like he said, and be the people that um, are the people that help people during the difficult times. I mean, you had just quoted that quote that if they're not taught by God, how are they going to be able to minister and save and heal and protect people when things get difficult because we might not have doctors or dentists or you know it's only by the power of the priesthood that we might be healed yeah yeah and Alethea um that was kind of my question as I was reading all this I'm like if this is what President Nelson's trying to do this is available to everyone like that was just overwhelming like how, when, do you know what I mean? And then, um, and then I thought, well, are, is that us in like our communities? We have a big neighborhood and I've made friends with just the people here in our little cul-de-sac. And I'm like, is that a role that we take on for just these people that we know here? And I don't know, I just, 
it just felt super overwhelming. And then on page 210, that last paragraph, it talks about God's creation of a man and woman on the son servant level resembles God's creation of Adam and Eve, because as a son and daughter of God, they obtain everlasting inheritance for themselves and their descendants on the earth in the millennial age. And it just, I just put all these question marks. It went through the fall and paradise and quote Adams and quote Eves. And I just was, that's where I just got super confused. I was like, wait, are, are we, is it saying that we're stepping into this role as Adam and Eve now? Like, or like, when does this all happen? I just, that's, I was just super confused. It, does it happen in this lifetime? Is it, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think Cindy was waving or raising her hand. <laughs> I loved um, the very top of page 199, how, um, he, how he talked that God reveals himself to his son's servants after he tries their trust. But I loved, loved, loved this next sentence. His, his ministering to them under such conditions is thus as much a comfort to them in their distress as it is a part of their ascent on the ladder. So Neil and I were talking, it's like this ministering. Alethea, minister to whoever you can, whoever would accept it. And if it's struggle and if it's hard, God the Father will help you and sustain you. And in that hardship, you're climbing and and you'll get that higher level because you've been willing to serve. Yeah, I, I, I think the gospel at the end of the day is really pretty simple. It does, it's not complex, it's not confusing. Um, as President Nelson's pointed out, our, our key secret is learning to hear his voice, the whisperings of the spirit, the promptings we get, and acting on those promptings. He doesn't expect us to save the world. He doesn't expect maybe even to save our neighborhood. He expects us to hear his voice and do what he asks us to do in whatever it is he's directing us to do. So today it might be doing the dishes. Tomorrow it might be that your neighbor needs somebody to talk to. The next day it might be you've got a daughter off in some faraway place that just needs somebody to you know listen to her. But the key is to listen and hear and then act. And as you listen and hear and act, he gains trust in you and will give you more promptings of what he wants you to do. So I don't think you have to go figure out and try to do all these grandiose things. Your trick is to figure out and listen for what he wants you specifically to do. And that's that. not complicated. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. I appreciate that, you guys. Kind, kind of like how what we learned in the Abraham book, how Christ considered Abraham his friend. And the more I think about it, you know, and, and Nephi and Lehi, the sons of Helaman, Christ could trust them. The Lord could trust them. That's what, that's what I want to be is I want, I want to hear him. I want to do what he wants so that when he needs me, he can say, Oh yeah, ask Cindy. And hopefully I will listen and do. Yeah. And then Libby's raising her hand. Yeah. I think so much of it's just a desire and and just really expressing that 
to God and to Christ to show me, you know, like, this is what I really want. And what is, you know, what does that look like? But I think a lot of it, I loved, I think it was the last chapter, maybe it was part of chapter six, where it talks about, um, like the generational curses and things that we have. Um, just like watching my husband coming from a family with um, abuse and addiction and divorce and just lots of struggles um, and watching him be of all of his siblings. Um, he's the, the rest are kind of a mess, like just really struggle and not a part of the gospel and just watching his righteousness and just trying every day to, to be better watching how that has healed like the generations forward and backward and how it influences side to side, you know, his, his siblings and family. Um, like, I think it just starts there and then in, and it will slowly, you know, evolve and the circle becomes bigger of who it influences. Um, but I, I just keep feeling like the more things get ramped up with the end times, like it's going to become, it's not really going to be a question. Like, who am I supposed to minister to? Like, who am I over? Like as things fall apart more, that your, your circle will just be clear. Like it'll just be who's there, you know, whoever, whoever needs us is who will be the servants to. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just focusing on ministering and being righteous and healing, healing all that generational stuff. I, I thought that was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So are you ready for a rumor? I don't know, even know if it's true, but anyway, in group B, uh, somebody said that their friend in Ohio, I believe is a part of the, the church pilot program where they're getting rid of ministering all ministering callings, all ministering assignments. You're just supposed to minister as moved upon by the Holy Ghost. And they're in this pilot program. Who knows what that is or whatever. Anyway, just thought that that kind of applied to, to what we're talking about here. You'll, you'll just naturally minister. And, you know, that's, that's how we're supposed to be. Uh, a Zion-like people just naturally minister to everyone around them. We, we don't necessarily need assignments, etc. And it's just... It, till it becomes natural, you know, I think I love that. Cause it just feels forced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I actually think that that's why we're in this group is because the people that are awake and spiritually prepared and physically, spiritually, mentally prepared, we're going to have, like he said, rise up because there it's when things fall apart and people that aren't emotionally, physically, spiritually ready, they're good. I mean, it's just going to be, and we, we will know exactly what to do. We, and that's what we're preparing. That's why we're reading these. And that's we're we're preparing right now to be that. So I, I agree with everything that's said. And I think, I think that's perfect to not have ministering assignments, but just to learn, we're just going to, we're just going to be ministering all day. It, it'll be a full-time job, just ministering. Mm -hmm. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be lovely. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Elle's raising her hand. Yeah. Did anybody take any of the self-reliance classes that were offered? I mean, they're still being offered. 
But I remember a video and it was a sister from Africa that talked about when she'd pray in the morning, she'd always say to Heavenly Father, what, who would you like me to serve today? How can I be your hands today? So it's, you know, it's being guided by the spirit, not trying to figure out what you can do for somebody, just like everybody else has said, just listening to what the Lord wants you to do. And she used to pray that every morning of what she could do. And she said, she always found people to help because the Lord guided her to people that needed her help that she could help. So mm-hmm. I can't find the video. If I could find it, I'd post it in the group, but I, it's been a couple of years since I took one of the classes and I, I can't find the video, but I do remember it. Yeah. I was in the, um, starting and growing your own business or whatever. And I remember what you're talking about. So I think it's in that one. It might be in all of them, but I think it might be in all. Cause I took the financial one and it was okay. in that. And I think it was a sister from Africa cause she was a sister <laughs> yeah, of color. So yeah. yeah. And I just can't find it right now. <laughs> it's been mm-hmm. a while. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Rossanne. Um, how I just keep thinking about the the translated, um, you know, um, beings, the one hundred forty four thousand. How does that? How's that all going to play into what we're talking about? I just keep thinking about that, mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering how that plays into it because. Uh, you know, women, we don't have the priesthood. So, but I want to, I have a desire to be, you know, there being able to really help people when it gets really bad. And I feel like I'm going to need extra. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. So I'm just wondering how that, how it, that would, any, if anybody has any thoughts about how that would play into all these, these things we're talking about, these proxy saviors and all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. So I think we can learn a lot from the actual life of Isaiah here in, in this example. So Isaiah, uh, through his works, he shows his ascension up the ladder. And, and eventually in the ascension of Isaiah, that apocryphal text, it even goes further beyond. But um. He, he works his way up the ladder, and then once he's at the seraphim level, so the level just above what we're talking about now, he reaches down to King Hezekiah and teaches him how to rise from the Zion Jerusalem level up to the sun servant level. Um, and, and we know through here, it's it's man and wife, right? Um, well, just a second, let me find that. On page 205, that um, the marital status of persons who ascend. <clears throat> so Jacob Israel is male or female, Zion Jerusalem, male or female, but son, servant, and seraphim, it's male and female. There has to be a marriage covenant in order to, to ascend uh, to, to that height, or, or, or I, I, I hate using the word height though, um, to, to that level of, of ministering. And so uh, Isaiah, seraphim, reaching down, teaching King Hezekiah how to make a Davidic covenant and intercede for his people. And, um, and, and in doing so, he himself rises. Uh, I think that that's a, a huge example to us as, as we go through there. Um, now, as far as uh, uh, women's role in, in this, uh, this chapter is excellent at, at describing parts of, of, of what women's role on on this level look like but um we we learn 
from uh, studying the patriarchal order that women do enter into the, the patriarchal order of the priesthood at the, the ceiling altar in the temple and, and their uh, ascend in, in their knowledge and, and learning as they go up. But um, uh, specifically in, in regards to this chapter, it's talking about how men are to be deliverers. And, and that is even in their families, they're, they're learning how to, to provide, protect, bless, guide, protect, strengthen, heal, like President Nelson's saying. But, but women are to nurture and teach and uh, Oh, I forget which page it's on, but it goes through kind of a list of, of different things there. That page, page 212. 212. Yes, thank you. So where um, in the family proclamation, we, we see these roles divinely delineated, right? So we each have our, our specific things to that we rise up and do within each level of of Isaiah's ladder, but specifically on the son servant and seraphim level, we do it as couples, um, which would, I don't know, that there's a lot uh, <laughs> to discuss. We've, <laughs> we're almost out of time, dang it. Um, but uh, very interesting questions. We'll, we'll go with Cindy. She's going to provide all the answers to, to all of your questions. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> on, on page 215, it says that um, just right almost to the top, it says I, I, Isaiah describes her as an ascending mode, as a role model for the individual woman. She repents of her sins, expiates her iniquity, marries God by an everlasting covenant, brings joy to her husband, gives birth to offspring, heralds the good news, and ascends her throne. So that tells me right there what is expected of women um, to do all those things and to be a role model for everyone else. I don't know. When I read that, it reminded me of a couple of things. There was a talk a few years ago, was it Sister Beck? talking about how the women needed to rise up and what kind of women we needed to be. Yes. And then was that last conference? I think it was the conference before when Pe president Nelson said, if we lose the women, we can't, we lose, like we lose the world when we cannot yeah. lose the women. Hmm. Yeah. And, and yet look at the adversary, how much he's attacking. I mean, he's attacked fatherhood for a long time and, and then he attacks womanhood and uh, making everything shrouded in mystery oh you don't have priesthood power oh you can't do this it, it's a men's job and and all of the different things that he tries to uh, muddy the waters with but yet if we really rise up and study our divinely appointed roles and then uh like like neil uh, and cindy pointed out you know go to him hear him you'll find that he prompts you to do things way beyond your abilities yet he empowers you to to do so and um, I, I don't know, it's just amazing. I, the family proclamation is it's huge and key into end time prophecy and, and how Isaiah's ladder plays out, especially here on the sun servant level. I, I think that's uh, huge. Okay, so uh, chat, we've got quite a few things over here. Sorry, I don't keep up on it very well. Um, let's see, so... I think I left off with Sarah. So reading conference footnotes gives a lot of added insight, yes. So um, looking back at, at President Nelson's uh, talks and, and reading those footnotes, especially 
um, the, like the ones that I, I referenced with uh, the hear him, the ministering with power and uh, uh, authority of God. Um, anyway, all of those very key into some of the stuff that we're talking about in this chapter. Um, the Savior's way, I'm, I'm assuming that was in regards to, to the ministering principle there. Um, she says that I think sometimes our assignments actually hinder us from reaching out to others. I think that's very true. Um, Alethea, we just got called to teach the emotional resilience and financial classes. Um, and then Libby says that the kings and queens of the Gentiles by Abraham is excellent on this topic. Yes, it is. I have not read it. My mom did. And I keep quizzing her about it all the time. <laughs> uh, I need to read it. It's just a tiny little book. I, I need to just buckle down and, and get it. Um, and then Sarah says that uh, read October conference talk, spiritual treasures, and make sure to read the footnotes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then Rossanne says, uh, loved all those thoughts. I, I love the references to the roles in marriage in this chapter. Yeah. Sorry, it takes me a while to, <laughs> I, I really should keep up with chat in real time so I don't have to keep bouncing back and forth, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's almost like we need like five weeks just on this chapter, but um, it's quite a, a daunting one. I, I feel the fire hose for sure. But my main takeaway is, is that Davidic covenant, I think there's a, a lot more there than I've previously considered. And I think that um, that's just going to, dominate my my personal study in, in many different ways uh school of the prophets and uh just everything that is presented here is, is huge yeah Alethea. um i don't know about the rest of you but i just have to say that i don't know especially in the last few months maybe but i have noticed that since we've been meeting together that i've just had more insights more inspiration ability to hear the Holy Ghost more. And I've been prompted over the years to get rid of things and kind of clean up the house, so to speak, but it's been even more. And so I don't know if the rest of you have felt that, but I just want to say thank you. Cause at least for me, I've really been feeling that. And I feel like I've been, I feel like I'm right on this precipice of something and I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I'm kind of excited. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I totally agree too. Uh, Sarah says in, in the chat. Um, I I don't know. It, it was just following a prompting uh, to to start this group or reach out and see if anybody wanted to study Abraham with me because I just love that book. I didn't know it was going to evolve into Isaiah or anything, but I tell you, uh, just learning from from each of you and um, through the three different groups, they're they're wildly different. Uh, me and my mom just constantly go back and, and watch all of the, the previous ones and just learn more and more and, and get um, uh, just more insight and getting to know everyone. Uh, sometimes it, it's fun on our part. We, we go back and just uh, look at different people's faces or reactions and, and things. And uh, anyway, <laughs> we're, uh, we're book club junkies, I guess you'd say. <laughs> but um, yeah, following a prompting, going through with it. I didn't know the blessings that, that would occur of it. But man, bringing y'all into my home on a weekly basis is such a huge blessing. I look forward to it. I had an exhausting day. I'm, I was like, oh, I'm not looking forward to being on camera and being bubbly and, and everything. I'm sunburnt and I'm just like drained. <laughs> but 
oh my word, I, well, first of all, I've kind of hijacked all of the, the discussion tonight, but I, I'm just so excited. Y'all bring so much joy. And, uh, and like you said, I just on the cusp of things and, and y'all are my group to, to talk things through with that I can't just do in Sunday school or, or with my neighbors, et cetera, but, but really being able to just have awake friends that, um, can get it and and can problem solve things as as we're learning uh, these these fantastic things. Sorry, that was long winded. Go ahead, mom. Okay, I was just you just fairly mentioned school of the prophets, and I wanted to get this in before we close for the night. But <laughs> I learned a big thing about that this week. Of course, Cameron gets there first, and and I, and I just learned from him but um the the school of the prophets that uh, they were doing at the time of joseph smith they were doing that so they could see god they were learning these things and that was their desire and and a lot of them did um but what was interesting in his he was studying that out a little and we found out that the school of the prophets and sometimes it's called son of the prophets but it's been in all the different diff dispensations it's not just here um elijah was in there and and elisha was being taught in that and that and that's what they were doing they were trying to see god and that's why they were holding these school of the prophets there i just found it really interesting mm -hmm. Yeah, on page 194, it, it kind of gives into that. So, I mean, Moss's recent video that he talks about uh, Zebedee culture and School of the Prophets, etc. And uh, some of those other insights have just been kind of swirling around lately. And then it came in this chapter. And I was like, oh my gosh, when things start repeating themselves from multiple sources, it's just like, I, I just know that that's where the Lord needs me to go kind of thing. And so that's where I've been kind of studying School of the Prophets and um, just really where to go from there. Um, uh, before this chapter, um, uh, you know, my goal is always like, okay, yeah, I want to be translated, etc. Like, obviously, they, a lot of us have uh, watched Jody's videos, etc. And uh, translation's always been a goal of mine for the past few years. But um, I didn't know that I was skipping a step. I, I was skipping this unserving category altogether. I was just trying to jump from Zion right to to Sarah from 144,000 going out on, on, on missions, et cetera. But now that I'm getting a, a more fuller framework, it's like all coming together. Like, oh, okay. So Zion level, three tests of loyalty, hearing him, making sure that I'm in this proper ministering um, way of life. And then going to the son servant level, taking on making personal covenants with with God, which is an interesting paradigm shift for me, making personal covenants, extra ones besides baptism, endowment, etc. Taking on the Davidic covenant and actually interceding for people and and learning all of that before translation. It's like, oh, okay, I'm finally starting to, to get things clicking. Why my endless prayers of, like, Heavenly Father, please just translate me already and I'll, I'll go and do thy work kind of thing <laughs> but but it's like oh you're skipping an important step here slow down 
And it's much like Abraham, right? Abraham really wanted to, to be translated the city of Zion, Enoch city, etc. But he wasn't given that. And the Lord had to slow him down and say, okay, here's three tests of loyalty. I'm going to take you through the Zion level first. And then we're going to go to the son servant level. And then he's interceding on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah and, and doing that right before he ascends. And then, then he can, can finally uh, assume that seraphim level. Um, not in the way he thought, because the Lord had a very different plan and, and perspective for his life. But um, sometimes we get so zealous to ascend the ladder that we kind of skip some steps in between. And I think that that's the biggest insight that happened for me this week with, with this chapter. It's like, oh, Cameron, slow down. You, <laughs> you got some, some work to do here first. I mean, you want to just go flying around and, and crashing your broomstick or, or, or are you going to do it my way and, and learn how to do it right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, Kathy. Um, I just feel prompted to say, um, well, Alethea said something about the Adam and Eve, how we have to react that or what was it. And I think, um, first of all, we do kind of reenact that one in the temple. If you think back into the temple that we do do the things Adam and Eve, right? And then also about how important marriage is and how we can't ascend without the, those covenants and how the the efforts whatever effort we can do to make that covenant with our spouse like to cleave to each other how I've just felt really prompted to say how important that is to um, give everything we have to that covenant because we have to do it together and um I don't know. I just felt like I was supposed to say that. I'm not really sure why. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. We just really see how Satan's working on, well, marriages, right? Because if he can divide the marriage, he's divided the family. And, and we're just really seeing that a lot. And now it's like more um, understandable why that it's not just the family, but it's marriages. And anyways, I just, thanks for sharing that, Kathy, because it's just really, I, I feel like things are starting to come together now. Well, and being that kind of, like, he talks about how the women, that role the women play, how um, we have to put the homework into ourselves to be able to be that kind of a wife. And um, I said that last time how much I love that part of this chapter and then um there's one part where he says it's also a woman's drive for spiritual knowledge and a sense of fulfillment that re that requires a man to rise to her expectations like they need us to be that too because you know women a lot of times are they I don't know. We're not more spiritual, but I don't I think we're just more emotional actually. But anyway, how they need us to be that role. I think it's really important. Well, I don't know about the rest of you, but I know just with my husband's work and he knows that I study and he's like, yeah, I don't have time to do that. And he kind of misses that. And I think that's maybe the part that we play as the wives is to help them. All. I mean, Eve had to bring Adam along, right? 
And I think that's still the role that we play is bringing our husbands along. And I don't think it's because they're not as spiritual. I just think that providing for the family takes so much time. And now that our kids are raised, you know, I have more time to do that, but he's still in that same role of providing. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many fun topics. I love it. So yeah, uh, the chat basically uh, keeping up on it that uh, thank you. I hope we continue with the book club after we finish the Isaiah series. I, I hope so too. I, I'm, I'm more than willing if y'all are. Uh, there's lots of different things to study. I don't know where we go next. I've been batting around Triumph of Zion, um, School of the Prophets, Mary Magdalene. Uh, there's lots of different things, but um, yeah, I, I, I would love to, to keep going and, and studying with everyone. Um, and then uh, Elle found that video that, that she was talking about there for anyone that wants it. Um, any last thoughts before we close out for the night? It's been a, a whirlwind. I can't even catch my breath. I'm just talking so fast. <laughs> um, let's see. So Alethea says, was it Sarah that asked about the 144,000? Was your question answered? That's a good one. I felt like we kind of skipped over it. I don't know if we answered it. Mm-hmm. I just, I feel like the 144,000 isn't limited to 144,000. I think it's uh, couples. And I think that maybe, you know, I think that everyone that wants to be a part of that will have a chance. And also when she was asking that, I had this thought come into my mind, like, that the 144,000 are called, but I also kind of had this thought that do we call ourselves? And what is that scripture? If you have a desire to do the work, you're called, right? And so it just makes me wonder if we kind of volunteer, we call ourselves to that work. But I think I think that there's a lot, and I think a lot of people will um, will be able to be a part of that 144,000. I think. Yeah. And it, I, I think that number is just more than 144. I mean, like how many times are we given numbers in the book of Mormon? There were 5,000 men and their wives and children, you know, so it's way more. And it was that way uh, in the Bible with the sermon on the Mount and the other time when the savior fed them. And I just think it's going to be more. And I think that it's those that want to participate. That's my own personal thoughts. I don't know if they're correct or if anybody thinks differently or whatever, but I just felt like I wasn't sure if we really answered that question and I wanted to be sure that it was answered. Yeah, the 144,000 are a specific group that are given a calling and translated because they have to be sent back out in the world where there's plagues and famines and war and whatnot and have to have that protection. But in the same scripture, if you keep reading, it says, and I saw other numerous hosts worshiping before the lamb as well so it's as you say it's not limited to those so i just think that number is like the minimum (laughs) (laughs) there's at least that many (laughs) yeah yeah oh okay um i just i love this quote this uh part just at the very end and it kind of sums it all up for me it says Um, It's in the postscript. It says a problem many of us have with taking on added responsibilities is a fear of losing our personal freedoms, but that attitude generates societal disparity. It breeds spiritual dwarfs on the one hand and spiritual giants on the other. People who 
by filling the gaps become more than they believed that they were capable of. And I just, I love that because, you know, we've always been taught that if we, if we immerse ourselves in the work of the Lord, then, then that's where we really find ourselves. We don't lose ourselves. We really find ourselves in, and um, so I just wanted to make sure that we remembered that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, any last comments? <laughs> um, we'll close. And, and... I just wonder if there's anything that we didn't talk about that you kind of learned from the other groups that maybe you wanted to throw out there, or maybe you already did. I don't know. It's all kind of a blur. What did Mine's I all swimming. I don't know. I feel like I just talked so much this time and kind of, um, I don't even know. Uh, yeah, there's uh, lots of bifid things throughout there. Lots of insights on that. Um, uh, the, what else? Creation, recreation, the uh, permanency of, of blessings. I don't know. There, there's so much. I <laughs> seriously, I, I, I wonder if after we go through the actual words of Isaiah, if we come back and take Isaiah decoded a little bit slower, and and hash out some of these these things, because um, I think it's important to study his words in context so that we have that story behind some of these things um, when we maybe talk about it again. But. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what to uh, say from our other groups. I, I'm trying to really think back. Anything else, mom, that you remember or Kathy or Elle? Yeah, we, <laughs> we talked quite a bit about um, the role of husband and wife in this together. And it was brought up, is there any doubt that uh, Jesus was married because of what uh, you know the role of that all is and getting up the ladder and everything mm -hmm. and, yeah. and children mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah in group b we we talked about that quite a bit yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll try to, to think if there's anything else and stuff. We might just need to like kind of jump on uh, the chat on, on Learning Zion and, and uh, if anything else comes to mind, I'll, I'll put it on there. But um, yeah, yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> thanks everyone for showing up. I know that this is kind of a late for, for lots of you, but uh, thanks for staying there even though we go over time. <laughs> All right, we'll see everyone next week. Bye.